Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is sponsored by SKP Creative. They develop data-driven communication strategies to help your business grow and thrive. But this week, they want to call attention to the new community status report released by the United Way of Amarillo and Canyon. It's available at unitedwayama.org, and it presents new demographic, income, health, and education data for our community. Now, some of the news is good in the report. We've made improvements in unemployment and median income and educational outcomes. But there are still some challenges we need to address, including a growing poverty rate among the elderly in Randall County. So download the report at unitedwayama.org. This episode is also sponsored by the Texas Outdoor Musical. Yes, Texas is back. After going dark last year for the first time in its history, the musical has returned to Paladero Canyon State Park. When I was a kid, watching this show every summer was always a highlight, and I, I still love it. The season starts May 29th, and seating is open to 100%. So get your tickets now at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout-out to Neon Moon. This unique shop features home accessories and decor on historic 6th Street. Today's guest is Ronnie Granger. Ronnie is the chef and owner of Sunday's Kitchen, a Cajun and Creole restaurant downtown near Six and Polk. Now, Ronnie isn't originally from here, and, well, he hasn't always been a chef, but his story is a story about opportunity, about drive, and about blooming where you're planted. He's one of those entrepreneurs who really saw his business take off in a positive direction after making a few critical adjustments at the beginning of the pandemic. But more than anything else, you'll hear the emotion and gratitude in Chef Ron's voice as he talks about his customers and about this community. I think we both were a little surprised by the direction this interview went, but it's a good one. Here's Ronnie Granger. Ronnie Granger, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Well, hey Amarillo. Hey Jason, how are y'all doing? It's we're great. doing good. All right. Thank you, brother. It's a At pleasure least, to be here. This this side of the table is good. I hope you're doing good too. Yes, sir. This side of the table is great. Yes, okay. sir. Okay. <laughs> um, well, thanks for being here. I I know that. Well, I've, I've wanted to have you on for a while. I know a lot of people have been talking about your restaurant for a while, and you know it's one of those stories that I just kind of want to hear the origin story. You know how it happened. Yes, sir. And before we get to that point, though, like um, I want to ask you the same thing I ask most of my guests, and that's like, how did you end up in this area in the first place? My ex-wife is from Amarillo, so when we were going through our rough patch, she decided to move back home, and I wanted to be a father to my son. I wanted to be in my son's life. I didn't want to do it from a distance, so I came to Amarillo, and that's how it got started, and I don't know, when I got here, I just kind of fell in love with it. It took a little while, but I definitely fell in love with it. Where are you from originally? Morgan City, Louisiana. Okay. Yes, sir. A little small town, southeast Louisiana. Right, southeast Louisiana. Yes, sir. I've lived in Houston. I've lived in Columbus, Texas. I've lived in Beaumont. Um, But Amarillo feels most like home more than anywhere else. Because that's interesting because like... Oh, Culturally, I, <laughs> climate-wise, like we are not like those places. Not the same at all. First four years here, I'll admit, I I was depressed. I hated it here at first. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it came from not knowing anyone here. Mm-hmm. I didn't find very many people in the city inviting at at first, and 
then after a while I found um, what I would consider like my extended family, you know, the people I've known here for years, the communities uh, and the people in the community that I've known for years that have have made it a great place to live. And I, I honestly couldn't imagine living without. That know. whole community, right? Well, not necessarily the whole community, but there's people here that yeah. I, I just want them in my life. You know, they're great people. I love them. I love having them around. I want to see them um, succeed and grow. And and it's it's part of why I stayed. I'll say that. Um, on top of that, I couldn't imagine going anywhere else. I didn't want to start over again. Yeah. So I, I found a way to make it my home, and it became home. What year did you move here? April 14th, 2006. Okay. Still remember. You remember the date. <laughs> very day. Yes, sir. I didn't want to come. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> like almost exactly 15, 15 years ago. 15 years later. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, every year, it's almost like a, a mental anniversary. I may mm-hmm. not celebrate or anything, but every April 15th, it, it comes to mind. I remember that drive here. So it, it was a hard one. Did you have like a perspective on Amarillo before you moved here? I mean, do you know anything about it? I, I had lived here for a couple of months, okay. but even when I lived here before, that was always, the end game was to move to Houston. It was always going to be a temporary thing. And then, I don't know, time happened. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it just it just became a place I, I grew to love, you know, and it's, it's not what I planned, but that's my life in a nutshell. Yeah. Nothing here is what I planned. It just, it worked out this way and I'm really happy about it. Okay, so I, I know that Sunday's Kitchen is a relatively new establishment. What what did you do though, like when you first landed here? What was what was the the job, I guess? When I first landed here, I landed at Best Buy. If you're from Amarillo, let me tell y'all a funny Best Buy story. I worked at Best Buy, I lived off of twenty fourth and Grand on the north side. Okay. And um I needed to go to work. But this was my first time. It was gonna be driving myself. That's and, a long drive. Man, it is. And I, mean, I took, Amarillo, people talk about how the commute is really easy. Yes, sir. But like 24th and Grand to, you know, the Best mall Buy, area. Yeah. Like, that's a long drive. And I took I-27. I didn't even understand the concept of freeways. You know, I did, I'm from a small town. I'd never driven on a freeway. And so I, I get in, I get on I-27 and catch it all the way to Arden Road because I realize now, I think I'm leaving town. And we didn't have Google back then or Google Maps or, yeah. you know. So, um I stop at a Tootin Totem, which is on Arden Road. It's right by where I live now on Arden Road. And they tell me if I just keep straight, I'll hit Bell. And anyway, I had to work my way to Best Buy from from 24th and Grand to Arden Road. I knew nothing about driving around the city. It, it was a whole new experience. But yeah, yeah, that's what I did when I first got here. And um, I had some experience in rent to own. I worked in rent to own uh, mm-hmm. back home. And so I eventually I applied to work at Rena Center. I worked at Rena Center, Aaron's, and it's crazy how that particular era of my life plays so much into now. Um, hmm. There's a lot of people that I rented furniture to, sold furniture to, or got acquainted with in the rental owned industry that still to date I know they eat at the restaurant. Uh, we'll joke or I remember you, I remember when you used to, you know, so it, it never, the cooking thing just happened, <laughs> you know, um, well, that but, I mean, that seems that seems an interesting thread to pull anyway, because right? the cooking thing has not just happened for me. Like, I, I'm not <laughs> opening a restaurant or anything like that. So well, tell, tell me, did you have like a background in kitchens or did you grow up cooking anything like that? Um, every everyone in my family knows how to cook. The men cook, the women cook, and they are all good at it. Very good at it. Man, honestly, I don't even think I compare. You know, my auntie Ruby is a beast. My sister Marla is also a beast. These are people that are great. You know, um, one of my, one thing that kind of segued me into the kitchen was when I first started 
living here, I wanted food from back home mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it anywhere. At that time, we didn't have any Cajun restaurants. At that time, we didn't have any Gulf Coast. There was no Delvin's, you know, there, there wasn't those types of restaurants. So if I wanted it, I had to make it for myself. But the benefit of it was that I didn't know anyone. So it was good for me to get off of work and go home and, and cook. You know, I liked it. It it worked. And then eventually years and years had passed and and um, someone I knew was having a, a 40 year anniversary party for their parents. And they had told me what someone else charged them and they knew I cooked and they just said, could you do it? And the rest is history, man. Hmm. I mean, I drive past that church all the time and it Every time, you know, it's just like fresh. I remember it. I remember the feeling I felt. Um, I still joke about uh, the fire department was called for that catering. Small fire on my back patio, nothing too major, but I still remember that. And it an was unintentional fire. An unintentional I fire. I didn't know much about brisket at the time. Okay. I'll tell you that. So I didn't realize that I had to take care of the drip pan or it could ignite. Yeah. And so it ignited. And the thing about grease catching fire is it smokes. So it looked a lot worse than it was, but at the same time, it was it was pretty bad. And and also at the same time, it was my first experience. So I'm kind of glad that I had that learning curve on the first one. And everyone since then has been the same. A, a, a lesson here, a lesson there, a don't do that again, a do that twice next time. It just it all kind of came together. Put put it into context. What year was that first catering event? That was in 2011, okay. if I'm not mistaken. About 10 years ago. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and so that's, you know, that's still, there's still a transition after, well, some friends asked me to do this, you know, party to, okay, now I've got a restaurant open. So yes, like someone who has spent their time working in Best Buy or Renaissance yes, is not always like, ready to flip that switch and no, go start a business. Not so at take all. Take an entrepreneurial role. So like, tell me how you got to that point. Gladly. So I used to work for a company called New Solutions Learning Center. I did um, every office task that they could have. I was technically the only employee. And when I was working there, I really wanted to do something at least part-time with my cooking. So I applied um, at BL Bistro. Okay. And I was excited. I really wanted to get in a kitchen. I talked to Brian Mason. He said, I don't have anything now. But the minute I got something, I'll get to you, man. And I'm talking nine months past, you know, I got laid off and within days, you know, the phone call came, I got a dessert and prep position. I didn't know anything about desserts. I didn't know anything about prep. I knew how to make a couple things at home. So in my head, I already had it together. When I got there, I found out very fast, you know, that you don't have it together. Anyway, I, funny story from my first day. I remember I said, hey, do y'all have a cutting glove? Because I didn't want to risk cutting myself. And Coleman goes, no, but we got Band-Aids. And I just, <laughs> I always thought that was the funniest thing. But I realized right then and there that it wasn't like it was on TV. You really put it in in kitchens. I don't know if listeners can hear this, but like the, this part of of your story, you get emotional talking about it. And I, I, for one thing, I'm fascinated by the fact that you applied for a job at BL Bistro, which at the time was they you were, know, really, they were top notch. They were yeah. top of their game. And then didn't hear from them for nine months. I mean, nine maybe months. Brian set on your resume or that interview and thought, right. A I lot of times people will say like, we'll get in touch and they really won't get in we, touch. We kind of, like he did. We kind of hit it off when we first met and he told me how, when he first started, he was willing to cook for free. <clears throat> the reason all this matters so much is because I didn't have anything else. Nothing. 
there were options. Um, <clears throat> there weren't options. Whatever he paid me was good enough at the time. Don't get me wrong, but I had to take it. I did, it wasn't a bargaining chip. I I didn't have the skill set I have today. I didn't have the drive that I have today. So any anytime I look back, I just always think of how I could have went wrong or how I could have went worse. And it and it didn't. So we sit down and, and, and do chats like this, and people say, How did it happen? I genuinely don't know. Hmm. When they say, Oh, you're so successful. For one, I'm nowhere I'm you know, not even not even trying to be humble. It, it, it's not where I want to be. But at the same time, I don't know how it happened. It happened. Um, it's a series of people looking out for me. Um, it's a series of community stepping up for me. It's a, it's a series of fortunate events and and that's the best way I can put it. Um, I, I, I didn't ask for it. You know, it, it was, it was all given. I, I had to earn it still. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know, I, I really, I really like that perspective because we live in a culture, especially here in Amarillo. And I don't know if it was the same where you grew up, where people are very self-reliant. We yes, think, sir. you know, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to lift ourselves up by our bootstraps. And so a lot of times when you're successful, you have the idea that this is a success that I built for myself or yes, that sir. I deserved or I earned. But you're right that in any story, there's always a path that gets you there. And that yes, path involves sometimes a lot of luck. It involves somebody sometimes who maybe sees your potential, who yes, believes sir. in you, who gives you an opportunity. Yes, sir. I can look at my own story and I've got all those people back there. Yes, you don't always realize it at the time. I hate it when people say they're self-made. Yeah. I know somebody went to bat for you somewhere, you know? I know somebody looked out for you. If not, then I even feel more fortunate, you know, because Nah, man, I can go through a list of names. I used to, um, hey, let me get back on, on track with, uh, so I go to BL Bistro and, um, and I, I feel like I necessarily don't necessarily belong there. Like, um, I don't have the kitchen knowledge. I wasn't working in kitchens. I was working administration, you know? Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of a odd duck anyway, you know? So socially, you know, I've never been the cool guy, you know, let me, let me say that. So that made it awkward too. And when I ended up leaving, I just knew that it couldn't be the end, you know, like it, I don't know anything I do. I also want to be my best at, let me say that if I can't, I'll just go do something else. You know, something I couldn't imagine, you know, not being good at the things I do. Otherwise I'd like, I just go do something else. But, but something about that felt right though. It felt right. Kitchen, right? I, I didn't, I had love for it. I wanted to do it. It just didn't, that wasn't the right fit. Okay. And when I tell you there's a slew of kitchens in the next a slew, I mean, we can go through them. Let's, give me, give me a <laughs> Let's list. go. Johnny Carino's, Pescara's, okay. Texas Roadhouse, McDonald's, IHOP, Schlotsky's, the Craig, um, both Brookdale's. Hmm. I could even still go on, you know, but I, I think we get the picture. But you, you, know? you, you learn stuff in all those settings. I, right? I always say that every place I took something from, even there's kitchens that I didn't realize it when I left, 
that I took that from Georgia street tap house was one of the main ones. I remember when I left Georgia street tap house, I said, I didn't even learn anything from that one. And then Mark, the owner of Georgia street tap house. I remember he told me one day, just in a, in a conversation, we were all sitting around this before we opened, we were just having beers. And he says, you have to have a good master sauce. Your master sauces have to be good for every, you know, and, and, and that, honestly, is what Sunday's Kitchen is built on. Hmm. We have good sauces. In uh, Gumbo is technically a sauce. Ours is good. Um, our Alfredo, good. Our jambalaya sauce, good. And and that is what I even took from there. And I can go on and on. Um, the sense of urgency you get from McDonald's, I carry that with me every day because people want it and they want it now. If they can't get it from you now, they'll go somewhere else, you know. And we're working on getting a little faster in our kitchen, I'll admit that. Um, but it's every place had something to offer. Every place, my son sometimes speaks of wanting to go to culinary school. And that's good. That's really, really good. I built my resume this way. For him, he could build his resume that way. So there's more than one way to get to a destination yeah. is my point. And the way I took wasn't always ideal. I worked at a lot of places I didn't want to work at. Um, I, I worked for people that didn't appreciate me. I did things I didn't want to do. but and, and I never had an end game. It, if I could get a restaurant one day, that would be great. How am I going to get the money for that? Yeah. So you and, weren't going through it thinking, oh, man, as soon as I open up my own, I won't have to do all this stuff. Huh. I wish, man. When it came to open up the own, it's kind of like, once again, timing. Everything timed itself out. Perfect. We were working with someone else where they had a bar and we were taking care of the kitchen. Um, we didn't agree on something. So both parties decided to go their both way, their separate ways. When we decided to go our separate ways, I had already realized that I can generate income. I can make recipes. I can. So going back to work was a hard decision, but it was what I needed to do. I have kids. I had mouse feet. So, yeah. so it was a hard decision to do. Um, then a building came open and honestly, you know, it's like, it wasn't even ready. It, it didn't have everything it needed. Um, the city wouldn't pass certain things. And when I got in the game, I realized, well, if they won't pass it because of this, don't do this, do that. And honestly, we could have opened an Asian restaurant and it would have worked because we went after good recipes. We went after a solid work ethic and 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 taking care of the people, portioning them right, feeding them right, pricing them right and and staying consistent. One model we have at Sunday's Kitchen is one plate at a time. Um, whenever we get like a, a customer that complained or had something like they just wasn't satisfied with, it's never a surprise to me. It's never because I was there. You know, I knew that eh, on that one, I probably could have done this better or I was rushing or I was getting behind and I was trying to stay out the weeds. But one plate at a time is our motto. Like when you when your food is in our kitchen, that is the most important thing in the world to us at that moment. And um, and that's why I feel like no matter what we did, we were going to be successful because we took it to that base level. Like it didn't matter if I was able to feed 500,000 people. Did I take care of that one? Yeah. And. And boom, here we are today. But when we got that building. What year was that? That was two years ago. That okay. was on April 5th, 2019. And I remember when, man, y'all got to forgive me. I do this. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I try not to talk about or bring up too much is how close our opening was with the passing of my mom. Hmm. And like, 
I didn't have the textbook childhood. I didn't, I didn't, basically me and my mom were just getting our relationship. And I remember she used to call all the time. Is it done yet? You got your restaurant yet? When you gonna open? I can't wait to eat that. Weeks before we opened, she passed suddenly, you know, and, but I promise you, I wasn't going to let her down. I knew I was going to get it open no matter what. If I had to sell ham and cheese sandwiches, I was going to do that until I could do something else, something bigger, something more. So when my mom passed and I came back to Amarillo and the restaurant, everything was already in play. It just wasn't ready yet. And I remember the first day and like I had made some Facebook posts. I had a small following. I had people that knew me and everything. And it was 11 o'clock was coming. And I didn't know if anybody would call. I didn't know if anybody would come. And like at 11 o'clock on the dot, phone rang. And it was Hamlet Elementary. And a bunch of teachers from Hamlet Elementary wanted to order food. And I had never made these recipes before. <laughs> you know, I'd never cooked this stuff before. Um Sounds crazy, but at the same time, I mean, I knew I could make it good. I just hadn't made it yet. So it took a while, and I got it, everything figured out, and I got that stuff on plates, and bam. You had your sauces ready. I had my sauces ready, so that was where my confidence was. I know you could put that Alfredo on cardboard, and it would be good. So so we went with that, and and then the rest, man, it kind of just fell into place. Now, I hear people say often, like, oh, man, we're happy for you. We're proud of you, and I'll be honest with you. Thank you for one. For two, I, I wish it would have just been like if I'd have got a little bit earlier, <clears throat> a little bit earlier, because I really wanted to hear that from her. Yeah. You know? So anyway, I really try not to talk about it too much. Cause it's a sensitive subject. And I'm I'm honestly glad to be sharing it, because I don't know. Just Feel like some of y'all might get a better feeling of why I am the way I am, you know. Or when you think about what what drives a person, sometimes it's success. Some people want to be rich. Some people want money. Some people they they want all these things. And don't get me wrong, I do too. I have goals. I want I want I want, I want a nicer car. I want a boat. You know, a camp somewhere, whatever. I want it all. You know. But at the same time, I'm still trying to make my mama proud. You know, I'm. I'm trying to make my children proud. Like that's what I do it for every day. Like I, I, if, if I make food today, the money's good. I'm going to definitely check on the sales. I want to know what that looks like, but ultimately I just want my children to go to school and say, that's my dad, you know, and that's it in a nutshell. You know, that's why I think I'll, I'll always be all right in this because my heart's in the right place, you know, anyway, Sorry. You man, don't be sorry. You opened a year a little bit, a little yes, bit. Sir. Yeah. So two years ago, a year before COVID. Yes, sir. Um, and you know, Sunday's Kitchen was starting to hit its stride last spring. Yes, sir. And then everything shut down. And I, I wonder, you know, what was going through your mind as you faced those really early weeks? We'd went through so much to get open. There was no way that we were going to close, like close the dining room. I'm okay with that. But there was no way that restaurant was going to close. I would have worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days. If I had to, to be successful during COVID, I would have found a way no matter what, because there's so much sentiment 
to the brand to me. There's mm-hmm. so much sentiment to the business to me. Once again, I'm not just, I can go get a job. You know, I have a good resume. I can go find a job and go work somewhere and work 40 hours a week and make decent pay and things will be good for me. But I do this for more, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm building a legacy for my family. Um, I feel like there's eventually there's some history I want to leave in Amarillo. You know, I want to leave a piece of me here. I want people to know that I was here after I'm gone, you know? Um, and I look at a lot of people. I take a lot from legends of the community that I know of, or people that I consider legends. You know, I take a lot of inspiration from them and in their lifetime, like bones hooks is on the wall at the restaurant. And I remember reading about bones hooks and it said he died without a lot of money. And, you know, but that's, but you look at the, all the things he's remembered for and then look at the fact that he's still remembered, you know, and that's what I want for me. You know, that's, that's, that's what I want. And I don't know, it's kind of a, as COVID came, it was kind of a uncertainty to it. But when you're committed on winning, when you're committed on being successful, when you have the right motives, the right intentions, and the right drive. I don't think COVID or anything else could stop you, you know, and it quite frankly, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. And, yes, and that's one of the things that I, I think is really interesting about your story. We've, we've had a conversation in the past about yes, sir. how you reacted to that. And, you know, you, you made a statement that you had to stop thinking like a restaurant, yes, sir. start thinking like you were a food, food truck, truck, but without the wheels, you yes, know? Sir. So, you know, switching to that, um, curbside mindset, that yes, take home mindset, and it, even even that Instagram mindset yes, is often attached to to food trucks. So, like, tell me how you made that shift and, and what it looked like. So, those of y'all that were with us in the early days, for one, I love y'all so much, and I'll never forget how we got here. People, people, for one, my children even stepped up. You know, they would be masked up out there taking food to cars. They didn't have to go to school. So when mm-hmm. they were doing their school stuff, they'd come to the restaurant, mask and glove up. They hated it, by the way. <laughs> no one will ever say they love that. You know, that's that a good uh, education. All the time. Yeah, yeah. But they they learned they learned something they didn't want to do. They didn't want to work hard for the rest of their lives. <laughs> so they kind of figured that out in the process. And, and, and I'm so proud of them. And, and they stepped up. And the people that came early on... Um, They'll tell you, you know, they waited on us. They were adding up tickets by hand. You know, we have this square register and all that stuff now. We didn't have that. My 10-year-old was back there adding up percentages on a calculator. Um, my 9-year-old, he'll go to Pack-A-Sack now, and he'll still try to tip the people at Pack-A-Sack because he got used to working for tips. Yeah. He thinks you tip everybody, you know. Cashier sells him a, a drink or something. Here's a, go get yourself one, too, you know. That might be so, a good approach. Maybe, yeah, maybe you know. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm so happy for all the things they learned, but I wanted to back to the food truck question. It was for us, we knew we didn't have a dining room, you know. And I I saw in other states, New York, Illinois, they were shut Ohio, they were shut down before us. Um and some people started building tents outside and outside dining. Davidson Amarillo did out they built a patio, you know, and and I knew that whatever it meant I had to do, I was just going to do it. And I felt like, well, if food trucks can be successful without a dining room, I could be successful without a dining room. What do you need to do to make yourself more like a food truck? And food trucks typically are a little bit more flamboyant. 
you know, if you're not going to get food trucks, just don't always have a basic menu. Usually they twist it up a little bit, do something big. So that's what we did. I remember we were looking at doing some different macaroni and cheese recipes. My wife and I sat down and we tried a chicken bacon ranch recipe and a pit master recipe. And these are just two things I came up with with stuff I had on hand. I don't have to tell y'all about that pit master, oh, you man. know, I see it I, all right. I was about to say, I could look at the quantity. We've sold thousands of them. Thousands. Never pictured it. Never pictured it. And you can keep track of that on your app, you know, mm-hmm. so I know. And it's like, that was just kind of us trying stuff out. You know, it was more or less a, an experiment. But it, it depends it, on like people ordering it, enjoying it and thinking, man, this is such a unique meal. I'm going to take a picture of it or I'm going to talk about it there. on Facebook yes, or something sir. like that. And that's what your customers started to do. We still depend on that today, you know. So if you come and you share and post, we really appreciate it. Um I'm 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 not the type to necessarily pay for advertising because I feel like if we do what we're supposed to do, we won't have to. Before Facebook, Instagram, social media, before it ever existed, people knew about good restaurants. Right. You know, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles was famous long before Instagram. People knew about it in Texas and it's in California or, you know, so therefore I knew that if we just did a premium product, we'd be good. So we did the best we could do with what we had on hand, brisket, pulled pork, all those ingredients and it, and it, and it sold. And then we started coming up with other dishes. And right now I have maybe 20 or 30 other things that I'd love to throw on the menu, but it's good enough for now. You know, we're going to keep it where it is. And, and I don't know, COVID was kind of a, it was a scary time for restaurants. You know, you really didn't know if you'd be allowed to sell food. Then there was a problem with finding groceries, certain things. Um, stores would be sold out. Y'all all remember, man. It was crazy, you know. But um, I don't know. For us, it was it was always when. It was always when. That's it. Don't lose this restaurant. Don't fail. Don't go backwards. If If anybody... You come out on top no matter what. And, you know, looking back, you know, we're a year past that now. It seems like this second year has actually been a growth year for you, even compared to that first year when you just launched. We Second year has been crazy. We never expected this. Um, we never thought we'd be where we are today. It Like to a point where it's a matter of sometimes, you know, it's like, seriously, you know, like how? I mean, how? And I don't know. We show up every morning. I show up every morning um, I, ready to get to work. I want to give credit to Ronnie and Jessica, my uh, the two cooks, my son. As, and Jessica's not my son, but she's one of the cooks. But they they understand what we're doing, too. They they get the mission. They know that, you know, you know how Wendy's has those square hamburgers? Yeah. Wendy's was my first job. You ever heard the story behind those? No. Dave's Thomas's mom says, don't cut them. I mean, uh, yeah, don't cut, the, don't make them round because you don't want to cut any corners, you know? And when they tell you that at 15 at Wendy's, you know, it's a square burger. It's kind of weird. But at the same time, the principle remains, mm-hmm. don't cut any corners. And our cooks get that. And I'm not going to say we're not, I'm not going to say that I wasn't nervous during covid i wasn't scared at certain points but i saw so much fear going around at that time about everything that i just chose not to take it on to myself you know it i don't know it it didn't seem like good business um 
every person I know that's been successful in business and their life has been bold, you know, and fortune does favor the bold. I know that. So I don't know for us, it was all a matter of double down and switching the way we ran the restaurant, taking the chairs out was a godsend. Um, moving downtown was a godsend crazy downtown story. We burned up like our kitchens, all electric. We literally melted the breaker, like the box, the meter yeah. was melted into yeah. the building of our first and Pat DeBarber from 118 classics sends me a picture the very next day of the building we're currently in with a sign saying for rent. And like I said, it's been a series of events like that. Once one building broke, another one came open and the money was there and voila, you know. Tell and, me about having a, a restaurant downtown because that's, you know, it, it's a different place, especially during COVID. Like you lose yeah. a lot of that office traffic when people are working at home. Um, but, you know, Emerald's downtown is kind of in a a constant flux. It's growing, yeah. it's stopping, it's growing, you know. I, I love Amarillo downtown. Let me say that. When we used to live in um, Bivens, and my son and I, when he was younger, we'd go ride our bikes downtown. I've always had a love for, for downtown Amarillo, just something about it. To be a part of it is, I don't know, I ain't trying to be breaking down all interview, but in reality, just some of this stuff just means a lot. Uh, you know, when I first came to Amarillo, I came on the Greyhound. It's just a couple I, blocks away. I mean, that's, that's where left, you landed. Was I, I left home with $20 in my pocket. My one-year-old son and my wife at the time. And on the way, we ended up having to pay extra money for bags. Anyway, we got down to where we had like $5 to make this 26-hour bus ride. Anyway, we shared a Mrs. Baird's cherry pie. That's, that's what we had for that bus drive with a baby. Hmm. I didn't have a, a, a job here. I listened to Alani's interview. <laughs> I love that. I've listened to it twice, you know, but one of the, the things he said is immigrants, they, they don't play any games. And it was the same for me. I didn't, I didn't have a friend to call to lay on their couch if I failed, you know, if, if, if I lost my home, I was homeless, you know, that, that would have been, there was no one to call. There was no one to bail me out. Mm -hmm. So once again, there was one option, you know, but when I came in, I came in on a Greyhound with nothing hungry with a baby and no means of supporting myself. Some people that I trusted to do some things for me didn't. And I was kind of hurt about that. So it wasn't a good time when I got here and then I'm, I didn't want to be here. So then there's that. But when I got here, you know, immediately I started trying to put my life together. And since then it's like broken apart and got put back together a hundred times, you know, you, you know, but anyway, so to be in downtown now, remembering when I came in with nothing and to see that bus station all the time, like I have constant reminders um, around me all the time of, of, of where I've come from. And I look at some of the things that are around me that inspire me to think of where I could be, you know, and I try to pay attention to them daily. I I try to surround myself with those things that inspire me because I want to be inspired to do more, man. Like, there's still so much more to do in this city. There's still so much more to do for my family. There's still so much more for me to do as a person. And that's really, like, one of the things that I like about downtown because I think about the art. And I think about how that stuff 
is like right now, Malcolm Byers is one of the most popular artists in the city doing murals everywhere. We have one in our dining room and from him and I'm grateful for it. And I'm so thankful because, and now we're trying to get one in the alley, but we'll get into that later. Um, we catered a wedding for Joni and Eric Harkins. And now I have a piece of art on my wall that Joni Harkins painted for me. And these are things that one thing about, I want to, man, I don't know when you draw, when you, when you're talking too much, but I want to say, let you know. right. I went to this, this family's property to do their wedding. And like I said, that's, it was inspiring The his children, his grandchildren, they all have this sense of pride in who they are. And he has this place, his family can go. That's beautiful. And they spend time at, and I, I want that for mine. And like I said, just having that stuff around me, it, it inspires me. I just, I want it for myself. So, um, in downtown, man, I don't know. It's just kind of always had a certain sentimental value to me. Um, I get my hair cut for the last 10 years, um, two doors down right. from, you know, when that barbershop opened, 118 Classics opened, I, I physically, I met my wife that night. I went out to celebrate them opening their shop and I met my current wife that night. Man. Yeah. So it's, so like I said, man, I don't know how everything happened the way it happened, but I'm glad that I could see it and appreciate it because I would hate it if I missed it. This episode of Hey Amarillo is brought to you by my friends at the WT Enterprise Center, which this summer will be celebrating its 20th year of helping local entrepreneurs build great companies. The WT Enterprise Center is an essential part of Amarillo's entrepreneurial community, and the support, encouragement, and expertise they offer is invaluable to this region. Let's say you have a business idea, but you're just not sure where to start. Or you have an existing business, but you're going through growing pains, you're trying to deal with things like funding or marketing or your business model. Well, the experts at the Enterprise Center can help coach you through every step of the process and connect you with the right resources to address those problems and grow your business. Learn more at WTEnterpriseCenter.com. Okay, I'm back with Ronnie Granger. Ronnie, this is part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight yes, is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes the fossilized skull and jaw of an ancient camel that was discovered here in the Panhandle, which that's one of the things that always fascinates me is the stuff that they found that was up here. Yeah, I'm wondering Giant how sloths camel got and here. camel and, you know, <laughs> All that kind of stuff. So you can see that uh, at uh, panhandleplains.org in their Panhandle Camels exhibit, I guess. Uh, It's probably just one, maybe not an exhibit. Um, Okay, so Ronnie, this is part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. I ask most of these questions to all of my guests, uh, and your job is to answer those in as much detail as you want to. Um, And I I think maybe you might have an interesting perspective on this, but the first question is, what's one thing that 2020 revealed to you about local people? I thought about this answer and we're more divided than I thought. That was what 2020 revealed to me. That was the first thing that came to mind. I thought there were things that we'd all see eye to eye on, things that we'd all want to see change and we need to work together. Got it. What does this area have too much of? Wind. Wind, wind, wind. Not something you experienced in no. uh, the Bayou. Anytime we leave and go on vacation is so pleasant. 
to get away from the wind. When it's a know? windy day at 12 miles an hour in, in some uh, other place. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. that sounds nice here. <laughs> but if you are if you are from Amarillo, you know. Now, I know the locals get so used to it. I wear hats a lot, and I like to just kind of sit them on my head. And, man, when I talk about blowing hats, I've lost three or four of them. I don't know. The wind always has driven me nuts, but it is what it is. Yeah, it, it is what it is. What does this area not have enough of? I feel like it doesn't have enough attractions and venues. You know, um, people here, we have income, we have we have jobs here, um, but we're always spending it in Lubbock, New Mexico, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Vegas, you know, um, a lot of the draws to other states we don't have and or other cities even we don't have. And it just kind of I feel like we should have more. But I love Starlight Ranch Event Center. Yeah. I want to put them out there. I've been to a few concerts there. It is great. Um, I love it. And I'm glad they are here. Yeah, it's it's a matter of, you know, investing in ourselves yes, sir. rather than spending that money outside the area. I, I see that all the time. We we went to a concert for my son's 16th birthday. We went to a concert in San Antonio. And, you know, whenever it comes to having an event here, people say, oh, that's too much. Man, that Airbnb in San Antonio was a few hundred dollars, gas, eating. You know, I'd like to see a lot of that money come to the local economy. And we have so many hotels being built here. And I know people come to town, but I don't always know what they're coming for, you know. So I feel like if we had more like Kane Brown just was in Lubbock. I think that got canceled, actually. I'm not 100% sure. But, But that being said, I feel like we should be able to have artists like that because I know people in Amarillo go there for those concerts. So they'll spend that money on gas in a hotel room here in Amarillo. Man. But they don't want to pay a $35 ticket It makes no sense, right? $35. $35 would be cheap. Wow, yeah. $90 ticket. I was about to say, we went and seen- What uh, concerts are you going to, Jason? Right? (laughs) We'd seen Garth Brooks and Las Cruces, and that was probably- 90 bucks. And think about that. I had to drive to Las Cruces because yeah. Lubbock was sold out. And I know everybody from Amarillo's listening was like, oh, yeah, I was there. You know, <laughs> we waited to buy our tickets and they were sold out. And yeah. and then, like I said, we took our money to Las Cruces. It was a long drive. But my wife and I got to have a lot of time talking and relaxing and seeing New Mexico while we did that. We ate at some great restaurants. It was a good trip. You know, how do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? Maybe you're talking to your family back home yes, or something. I always call it home. I always, I always tell people it's home. I love it. You know, it's not, man, I guess it ain't for everybody, but it's for me, you know. And I also always mention the wind. I always mention the canyon. Mm-hmm. And I always mention the strong economy and um, the job market. If you don't, if you, if you're not working in Amarillo, chances are you don't want to work. You know, there's always jobs here. Now we're bringing Amazon in. Um, Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine yeah. is coming here. So I'm I'm proud of where we're going. Let me say that too. And having those things come to town, they're going to make it all that much more better, you know. But when I mention Amarillo to people, I always like to point out that no matter what's going on in the rest of the world, when jobs are being laid off, people are being laid off, jobs are being taken away, here it always seems like we go unfazed, you know. Not to say we don't take our bumps and bruises, but for the most part, we're doing all right. What's your favorite neighborhood in Amarillo? The Barrio, no doubt. Okay. I'm every off day, I'm getting tortas and tacos. Um, I shop at Sam's Club over there, mm-hmm. um, Lifted Smoke and Vape Shop. I go to 
Palaton a lot, El Tropico. I spend a lot of time in the Barrio neighborhood. I'm from Louisiana. I love Cajun food, but like the rest of the world, Mexican food is where it's at, man. Yeah. Let's just be honest, you know. We've got a we've got a very strong yeah. Mexican food, Tex Mex, like all that I stuff. I love it. Yeah, man. So, you know, we on my days off, I, I I'm always on that quadrant of town okay. anyway, the northeast quadrant of town. But I I'll also be honest, I love to see um the way the community is building up that neighborhood. There's so many independent businesses in that neighborhood. So many uh, quote unquote mom and pops, mm-hmm. but just small, locally owned, hardworking people that are bringing money and jobs to their community. And I admire it. I love it. No arguments here. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to take your own restaurant off the table. What's your favorite local restaurant? Jay's Bar and Grill. Okay. Um, Man, I always leave full. I always leave satisfied. I want to make sure and point out, I don't know this woman, but she is the cream of the crop server, one of the best I've ever seen in all of my years in the business. Um, There's a server there named Riley. I can drink and watch that girl run the ship. You know, I just, I admire the way she works. Um, She works hard, but I love the food at Jay's. The cocktails are the way I like them. And yeah, man, I can relax and have a good time. It's just a place it's my it's my neighborhood spot. You do you know? have a uh, do you have a favorite menu item or something? Do the you cheese the sticks thing? are to die for. Okay. I love the chicken and waffles. Um, the fish and chips is. When I tell you I've done the whole menu, I've done the whole menu. Okay, you know so. Um, it, whatever you like, go give it a shot there. You know, okay. but but Jay's is a good spot to me, and it's in my neighborhood, so I frequent it. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Roasters. All right. Yes, sir. Um, man, and we have a few of them. You know, it was yeah, a hard. It, yeah, it was a hard choice because I love Palace as well. Um, honestly, I could even do Starbucks on the right day. But Roasters is, to me, a very inspiring coffee company. I remember when they had the one location. Mm-hmm. I love seeing them grow. Um, they're over there by Lowe's now as well. I I'm able to get in there and get good coffee now because I shop at that part of town as well. Um, sometimes in the morning I have to get things before I go into the restaurant and having that roasters right there, it's a perfect location on the North uh, side. So okay. I'm happy about it, man. I love roasters. Okay. And you mentioned Starlight Ranch. When was the last time you visited the big Texan? The big Texan. So we were there for the Eli Young band concert when it got rained out. Okay. And then we had to work for the the replay. Now I was there a year ago at the Big Texan just to eat, but I am a Big Texan brewery person. All right. So um Bomb City Bach is my favorite beer from there. The fudge is great from there. I I, I don't visit the Big Texan as often as I should. Um to get my beer fixed. Yeah. But at the same time, I think they have some of the best beer I've ever tried. I agree with that. It's yes, sir. Very, very strong. In fact, one of the, I think the first independent brewery that opened in Amarillo. I didn't realize that. Now, yeah. I remember when we had that first beer fest at the Civic Center, it wasn't even a big one. But I remember all these beers came from all over the place. And I'm like, how is it that the Big Texan is really the, like, the best? You yeah. know, it yeah. was so crazy. Coors, Budweiser, Carabach, all these companies. It was just like, I'm, I'm impressed with y'all. Don't get me wrong, but we just kept going back to the big Texan booth over and over. Um, Bomb City Bach, once again, let me just throw that okay, out there. Okay, um, okay, Ronnie, that concludes the uh, eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? I've really been waiting to mention this, the Hoodoo Art Fest. Um, okay. It's going to be taking place on October 2nd, um, but... It's it's a good event. It's more about beautifying the city, bringing graffiti, art, 
whatever, however you want to pronounce it, but it's, it's art, bringing art to local businesses. Um, I want, we're in the process of right now trying to get our business on that list. Okay. And as I drive downtown every day, man, I just, I don't know what you want me to tell you, man. Some of these I'm still in awe of, you know, um, there's a lot of them right by Sunday's kitchen done once again by, um, Malcolm Byers. I can't think of any of the other names right off the top of my head. He was the only local, well, he and the he Blank Spaces the crew were the only Blank local Spaces ones. is pretty awesome as well. Let me not forget Blank Spaces for the mention because they are awesome and they deserve it and they are beautifying our city and every neighborhood because they're doing art all over the place but i love that man i remember growing up in the 80s everything every every restaurant or every business had their little logo and their brand this art wasn't on the side of buildings like that that made it individual um and so much of it is regional anyway you know it's like these are things that appeal to what the people here like and i like that it brings that individuality and i feel like that the people that are going to be coming to town um, to see the city, to participate, and maybe go catch a side poodles game, I think when they see downtown Amarillo and look at it now, it's a lot prettier than it was ten years ago. Yeah, um, for sure. Don't even get me started, you know. And but, I love, like you mentioned, hoodoo. I love that that just kind of happened on yes, its sir. own. They did that a couple of years totally ago. Totally organic. Brought in like used local artists, but like brought in some legit muralists yes, from all over the all United States. All over the States. United States, yes, sir. And so now we've got these giant buildings, yes, you know, sir. seven murals or something, and they're going to do it again this year. Yes, so, sir. And yeah. they had to cancel 2020, I'm right. sure you're aware. And so 2021, we're back. And honestly, man, I want to also mention that the Hoodoo Mural Art Fest, a lot of these artists... Um, one of them, Kipto. I don't think Kipto came to Amarillo for Hoodoo, but he was in town painting Rocket Brews. He's from okay. L.A. Huge artist. Huge artist. And he was right here painting a building here. And I just feel like we need to mention that because people need to get over there and check it out, man. Right. I mean, there's so much stuff going on in the city that if you're just not paying attention, you might miss it, you know. But Hoodoo Art Fest, I want to make sure they get the recognition because honestly – it's it's all about beautifying our city. It's all about bringing artists and art to our town. And and quite frankly, I love it. I don't. It's if I had an opportunity, that's what I want to talk about. Okay, I yes, love sir. it too, Ronnie yes, Granger. Thank you so much for thank being you, on brother. the show. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Ronnie for the interview. You can follow him on Instagram at Chef Ron eight oh six Amarillo. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing the show every week and to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring 8 Straight every week. I also want to thank this show's sponsors, SKP Creative, the WT Enterprise Center, and the Texas Outdoor Musical. This podcast exists every week because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarello. Heyamarello's executive producers include Barbara and Jim Witten, Priscilla, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Jess Heredia. This has been episode 198. My name is Jason Boyat, and I'll see you next week.